0: To Big Rain Peaks with your hosts Aiden and Lindsay.
1: So, we're here to talk about episode two. Episode
0: two of Twin Peaks. Yes. Uh, Lindsay, tell
1: us something about episode two of Twin episode Peaks.
0: Episode two of Twin Peaks takes place on February 25th, 1989. It was directed by Dwayne Dunham, written by David Lynch and Mark Frost. Uh, this was when they were still pretty heavily involved in the series itself. It had an original air date of April 12th, 1990, which is four days after the uh, pilot was aired, so the following Thursday. And this is when it started on its regular Thursday night rotation for the rest of season one. All right. Um, But it
1: was filmed quite a bit later after the pilot had been filmed, Yes. Yes,
0: this was filmed probably six months or so after the pilot was filmed. So you notice things right off the bat that, you know, the hair lengths are different and... There's there's just little things that that are kind of, you know.
1: Yeah. Like Audrey's hair is Audrey's most hair is different, Donna's yeah. is
0: different. Yeah. But, you know, it's uh it's forgiven. Yeah. Cuz the episode is pretty great. Two sentence synopsis, yeah. three sentence synopsis. Cooper makes a connection with Audrey Horn and interrogates James. Ed reveals his beer had probably been drugged at the roadhouse. Mrs. Palmer has a terrible vision.
1: We came up with some some broad themes from this episode that I think are uh are a good fit that we can talk about. It starts at the beginning is where two of our themes right off the bat come off, and that isn't the Log Lady intro, which we are going to talk about. Here. Right. This one's all about investigation. That's really uh, and behavior and behavior. Yes, she's she basically says, uh, "Is it possible to know anybody's the reasons behind people's behaviors? No." But some people try, and she calls them investigators. She calls them detectives. Detectives, yeah. Detectives, yeah.
0: So it's pretty clearly meant to to, uh, to call out Agent Cooper. But there are other people in this episode who do their own kind of investigation. There's a lot of investigation that's going on. Yes. Uh, not just from the FBI and, and the local law enforcement. So,
1: yeah. And that's that continues throughout the whole series, but yeah, it definitely gets kickstarted here. Yeah, Um, and it also, in my mind at least, she's talking a lot about Laura. Everyone's trying to understand. This episode was a lot about trying to figure out, piece together what happened to Laura the last couple days, Um, and who she is, who she was, yeah, what what her motivations were, what what caused her to, like James uh, in the interrogation with uh, from Cooper and Truman he doesn't understand what happened with her. And he says something went wrong a couple days earlier and he doesn't know. And yeah, there's a lot of that theme kind of built throughout. So, um, do you want to start with the investigators? Well, the investigations, the detectives, as you, if you will. Sure. Okay. So we, we
0: opened the, the episode on Cooper's room. It's just after six in the morning. He's doing his morning exercises, which involve, I don't know what they're called. Gravity boots. Yeah. I, I guess think so. they're yeah. an actual thing. Um, He's hanging upside down from a pipe, which doesn't seem very secure, safe, yeah. safe at all. But he's hanging upside down, recording uh, his morning
1: entry to Diane. Entry
0: to Diane, and he's talking about the water pressure and how great his sleep was. Yeah. And hasn't he hasn't had a chance to try the TV? But he suspects there's cable, and which was a big deal in in 1989, I guess. Yeah. So. Um, and he makes mention of how he wants to investigate the the coffee, see how good the coffee
1: is at the yep. Great Northern. That's the true test of a uh, of, hotel, uh, yeah. of any good hotel. Yeah.
0: And he brings up a, a an interesting thing about his own private personal reflections on JFK and who really shot JFK and what was
1: what was going on with, Marilyn going
0: on with Maryland, yeah. which I think is really I think again, it's just a brilliant piece of characterization on the part of of the writers, just to have Cooper be so uh, full of wonder about the world and about the things that go on within it.
1: Yeah, so. and I, I found this was the start of kind of Cooper 2.0. In the in the pilot, he was a little bit darker. I, I think Kyle Glauchlin probably just played him a little bit darker. He had that he had that menace to him, which is really kind of gone. It's kind menace? of been. Well, you, menace, you. I think menace, that's what she sinister? described it when he when he was doing the interview yeah. with uh, Bobby and stuff, right? Is yeah, I guess. There's that. There's a little. It's different anyway. Of there's, yeah.
0: There's something different going on here. He's much more. I don't know. Innocent or.
1: Well, he's just he's just softer and full of wonder. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's he's just a brighter character. He's a more. You feel I don't know a little safer with him. Yeah. Um, as an audience, just watching, but yeah. it's not as. Uh, I don't know. I kind of liked the edge. I like this is probably only the second or third time I've watched the pilot. Uh, and I, You mean the I, second episode? No, no, I'm talking about the pilot oh, by okay. comparison. And the pilot, he was, he had that edge, and I didn't, you know, after watching the other 29 episodes, you kind of forget about that, but I, I kind of liked that first pilot. Well, you get a, a sense in,
0: in the pilot that he's more um, possessed of more answers than he has right now, and I think that's indicated very early on just by all the things that he's laying out that he needs answers to he doesn't have all the answers whereas in the pilot you kind of get the sense that, that maybe he knows more than he's letting on Yeah, and that's kind of that comes across in, in his interviewing the way that he's interviewing people and, and that his like that cryptic smile he has it's almost a knowing smile so yeah. so I, I get that that yeah. he's different now and and you're right it's, it's much better to be around someone who is not possessed of every answer to every question there's it seems like we're more balanced as viewers. We don't know anything. And we're now joining a protagonist who also doesn't know everything. And that's more comforting, I think. We're gonna it feels more like a like a journey that we're gonna go on together with Cooper. Yeah. I think.
1: Yeah, you feel more on his page, like he's not so smart that he's coming to conclusions that yeah. the audience can't do, which is, you know, what the struggle Sherlock always has yeah. the, another show that's based on an investigation. The Sherlock's always five steps ahead. So he's always kind of having to explain it to him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, actually that's funny because, uh, this episode too, they, they have a, uh, Sherlock Holmes reference. Uh, Truman turns to him and says, I feel like I should take up medicine. Why? Because I feel like I'm Dr. Moriarty. No, no Dr. Watson, Dr. Watson, Dr.
0: Moriarty. Oh. Jeez. Oh. You need to read the books again.
1: Yeah. Or watch the or show. Or watch the show.
0: <laughs> um, and this is this investigation or investigative spirit is paralleled uh, immediately as soon as Cooper goes down for um, yeah, for he's... his morning cup of cup of Joe he is um, his no. his <laughs> breakfast is intruded upon yeah. um, pleasantly I think by Audrey Horn looking absolutely darling. oh my god, I want that outfit so bad. she's just so pretty it's not even funny. I want to punch myself in the face. <laughs> I do. She's well, there's nothing just,
1: stopping you. <laughs> no, I know. I might do that.
0: But she just, she she walks in, she saunters over, and there's this, okay, well, yeah, okay, let's get to this. She, she, there's this horrible line that I just, I. it's so bad. <laughs> when one? he's talking, uh, Cooper's going on about his breakfast order and how. Um, oh, the melons. You're taking my thunder. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So he's talking about his his breakfast order, and it sounds like a disgusting breakfast order. Like, he wants his
1: eggs over
0: hard and his, yeah, his bacon cremated. I'm like, dude, that's a recipe for, especially in the 80s when people were all up in arms about, you know, cholesterol and shit. Like, dude, seriously. But anyway, and then he says he wants a, um... A cup of grapefruit juice, as long as those grapefruits are freshly squeezed. Squeezed. And Audrey walks in, and the title of the song is Freshly Squeezed. That's the song that's playing. Oh, really? uh, From the score (laughs) is Freshly Squeezed, which I cringe every time I see that because it's just so... Oh, no, but yeah, it's
1: not it's not like he says it and then she walks in. Well, he's watch. He's looking okay, at her. But whatever. I, it's
0: it's it's when he realizes that she's there, that he yeah, sees yeah. her. No, and yeah. He says, and and he thinks squeeze. freshly
1: squeezed melons yeah. like that's what Is he's. That,
0: yeah. May it, it's I think that's the implication.
1: Yeah, of course. It's yeah. The implication. And, it's, and it's not. And it feels weird because she's a kid. And, well, she's
0: not a kid, but she's, well, she's
1: in high school. She's and not. He's she's an FBI agent, and we'll get we'll argue about yeah, this many times, but, I think. But, but, but
0: anyway, that that happens, and it it does make me a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, it makes makes Cooper out to be a little lecherous right off the get from the bat, off the bat from the get go. I'm gonna mix <laughs> up my idioms here, fine. Um, but then Audrey sits down and. And he makes a very quick deduction about how she must be Ben Horn's daughter. And, um, and then she makes these comments about her, do your palms ever itch? And I always feel so flushed. Isn't it strange? And, and you kind of get this sense that, that she is um, like the female equivalent of Cooper.
1: See, I never got that. I know you when you said that. I was like, "That's interesting," but I wanted to argue with it. But well, fine, go ahead. Because I did not take that at all. I thought she was just like a giddy schoolgirl who didn't know how to handle herself instead of someone in front of someone she has a crush on. And I don't know if that's accurate or fair, but uh, that's that's the initial sense that that scene gives me. Obviously, they develop a stronger relationship, and Audrey's much more self aware and composed, and she does. She turns into a little investigator herself in future episodes. Absolutely. So I I totally see that. But in the, that just that initial scene, uh, kind of separated from the rest of the series, I didn't get. I but just did, got a but, weird, but, weird, like sexually you, charged sense. Like I. Did well, and, like, that, and
0: that that can happen too. But can't you see now, watching it now, we've you come off a scene. The very first scene of the episode is Cooper describing how he feels about JFK and, and Maryland and and
1: Even how the hers- coffee
0: is. And then she walks in and she starts... It's untutored. It's not It's not on the same level. She's not, you know, special agent Audrey Horn. She's She's a, an 18-year-old, you know, 12th grader. But at the same time, she's. she's got... The, the seat is there. It's like... It would be like comparing Audrey and Jeffrey Beaumont from Blue Velvet. Like, I think they would be much more on the level. Cooper is obviously several levels above. But you get the sense that Audrey could be... Yeah, could yeah. become his his, um, I don't know, his Robin, the Robin to his Batman, you know, like the, the person who shares his sense of wonder about the little things. Cooper would be somebody who would, who would wonder about his itchy palms too. I get that feeling that, that he, he would follow that train of thought uh, and figure
1: it out. I mean, the comparison with Cooper in the scene before doesn't really hold up because he's focused on, okay, yes, the minutia of his everyday life too, but it's not scatterbrained. It's not
0: What's scatterbrained about Audrey? She's,
1: she's going from like, oh, I feel flushed, and my palms are itchy. Did you like just my like, ring? Yeah. It's okay, just but like... Cooper,
0: when he drives into town in the pilot, he's like, oh, hey, look at that Douglas fir. I had a piece of cherry pie for lunch. I'm running low on gas, and he he's scatterbrained too.
1: Uh, I don't I don't see it nearly as much as well. Anyway,
0: it's there. I'm right. You're wrong.
1: No, that's not it at all. But that's we'll great. let you guys. I decide. do find that they that they do have an initial chemistry right away that's really strong, and it's. Uh, yeah, it's evident that they're going to be a, a love interest right from the get go, and it's you feel like yeah they could be a cute couple on in TV land. Yep. However, that works out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, it was, it's definitely an interesting meat cute. meet cute. Is meet cute. cute? It's yeah, meet yeah, cute. yeah. It yeah. Is, so. so,
0: so that's the first I I think anyway I I wanted to bring that up because I thought it was it was an interesting thing an interesting introduction to uh, little investigator Audrey that she becomes. In later episodes but also um reintroduces cooper as this investigative mind from yeah. his very first scene and that continues throughout the episode because this in this episode there's a lot more uh a lot of in- of interviews between uh harry and cooper and
1: yes yeah, everybody else yeah, everybody who else was really. involved yeah. they,
0: who did they interview
1: uh josie uh james Norma, Norma. Norma. Yeah, yeah.
0: Bobby and Mike again. Yeah. Um, well, that
1: one's very. It's not. It's an brief, but it's still. Really. But yeah. It's still. Uh, well, it's in the in, interrogation room. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, so yeah. Uh, who else? Let me see. Um, talk to anybody else? Well, I, don't think so. I mean, but
1: yeah.
0: Uh, Harry does have a little bit of a tête-à-tête with uh, Big Ed
1: at yes. one point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, yeah and, and they do
0: they do go over the uh, autopsy report with Doc, yeah, Hayward, Doc Hayward, Yeah, which is where you find out uh, what actually happened to Laura, which is pretty heartbreaking when, when Doc Hayward has to admit that he delivered Laura, he's known her her whole life, and he, he couldn't, couldn't actually yeah. bring himself to do the autopsy. He had to call in a favor from uh, someone from a neighboring town, and he just assisted because he couldn't bring himself to do this autopsy. And um, you find out that there were... Uh, I have it written down here that he says there were several shallow wounds. Not one of them was enough to cause death, but combined they did a lot of damage. She had bite marks on her shoulder and on her tongue, which he says were probably self-inflicted, abrasions on her wrists and arms from being bound, and that in the last 24 hours or 12 hours she'd had sex with at least three men. And the implication of this, it's, it's shocking to them. It's hard for Doc Haber to say... It's not something that uh, Truman wants to hear, obviously, and Cooper's kind of sitting there dispassionately because he's the one who's suggested that they're not always as it seems with Laura, so he doesn't seem as surprised, but all the same, glad to get this information because now they have something to go on.
1: Um, yeah, and that's, and that's really connected to the next kind of theme of it, which is everything about Laura. It's mm-hmm. everyone's trying to understand Laura still, and... This, like, this is a great scene because it's, it's so immediately after her death still that he still really can't grasp what was wrong with her, what was happening to her. Um, and you still get that sense that the community is is not prepared to deal with, with Laura's reality, really. Um, and it comes up again with James, who's really, you know, not sure about her. and so- We can get to that in a second, but...
0: Um, uh, with regard to this investigation, though, if we can... No, uh, you jumped ahead to the Laura thing. Sorry. We're not talking about that yet, are we?
1: Well, yeah, we're going to jump back before. Okay, forth, okay, but... well, still.
0: But to come back to this, there was a really great... Um, uh, the actual filming of this, these two scenes and the way that they were put together forces us to think about this, that uh, Leo is the prime suspect now. Even though James, the night before, was arrested for for under suspicion of murder... And we've got Bobby and Mike who, you know, potentially have something to do with it. When they're going over the uh, autopsy report, Doc Hayward says, Who would do a thing like that? And the immediate next cut is Leo's truck. And we didn't get to see much of Leo in the pilot. We get that one scene with him and the cigarettes and Shelly. But here we see much more, a much darker. how did we describe it last time he's much more in control of his anger it seems like it seems like he's 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 not as unhinged his hair is combed back a little bit more
1: yeah, he just seems
0: more tightly wound
1: yeah i don't know if he has more control yeah. over his anger he's just he looks like he i don't know he just he gives off like the abusive boyfriend vibe as opposed to a crazy boyfriend yeah vibe. you know like very he's, controlling i guess yeah, That's, yeah yeah
0: he's controlling but he himself is not controlled Maybe that's what I'm getting I'm well, misconstruing. Because he is very controlling of Shelley. He yeah. he throws her his laundry and tells her that she has to do it now. She's on her way to work and he's like, No, you have to do it now. And he tricks her into like she says, I've yeah. done all the laundry. He's like, All of it? And she goes, Well yeah. And he goes, No, you haven't, and throws her a bag of his laundry Just that he didn't give her. Move, like it's such yeah. a dick move. It's <laughs> so you know, that's it's abusive. It's it's classic abusive boyfriend yeah. husband thing. Yeah. So anyway, Shelly goes and does the laundry, and you find out that there's a bloodied shirt in his laundry. So Shelly, um, recognizing that this could be, well... So, well, something. Yeah. Something. She, know, but she, she hides something, it in yeah. a drawer. And then uh, uh, that comes back later in the episode. But um, immediately you start thinking, this psycho husband of pretty Shelly shelly johnson down at the double r is involved somehow okay. the the show doesn't Not just involved. Much it's like
1: no he did it like that, yeah, that's what the yeah. show is leading you to be he's the next perp he's yeah. the guy who's definitely the, the problem and the yeah. the cause of uh laura's death yeah and it does this many times with many different characters it, it ch- chops you around and says oh have you thought about this person yet i'm gonna tell you through a cut or through yeah. You know, some yeah, clever, character yeah, developments something. of something, yeah, that it, it shows like that. I, I also love how he, uh, the extra little bit of creep for me was when he grabs Shelly's cheek and yeah. he's just like pinching it and like playing with it, like rotating it around. It's, it's such a like weird rolling little. rolling
0: it between his fingers. Yeah. It's a
1: weird. It's just a weird, and it's a very possessive. And thing, but right? paternal
0: it, too. It's like yeah. it's like how you pinch your kids. Ch- well, or like
1: it's like you a know, grandpa, like a grandpa would or an grab aunt like to grab yeah. your cheek and yeah. oh,
0: she's so cute. Yeah, but it's so. But it comes sinister. off as really
1: creepy from yeah. him. Yeah, and yeah. I think I thought it was just a great touch. So like,
0: and like, I don't know what the age difference is between Shelley and Leo. Yeah, you got to think he, he must be years. fairly like yeah, not like. 10 well, she's or only like years she's older, only but...
1: like nineteen or twenty two, isn't she? Well, I
0: think. I don't remember which episode it's in, but she does say that she dropped out of school yeah, at some yeah, point right. to marry him. Yeah, and she married. And him, I don't so. think they've been married for long, yeah. so because well, but long well, yeah. enough that she's kind of accepted her role as the you know
1: abused housewife. Abused well, housewife. Well, not a housewife, wife, Johnson, but yeah, yeah, but, yeah.
0: Um, there's another cut here uh, when we go to talk to, uh, to Mike and Bobby in jail, and they're still being held from the night before the fight at the Roadhouse, and they start talking about uh, a, relating them to leo so you start to thinking you start to think that they might be involved in something because yeah. they're talking about a ten thousand dollar hole burning uh, ten thousand dollars burning a hole in bobby's pocket that he uh gave, he gave to, to leo, leo. Already, yeah. and the other half of the money uh was laura's and and we found that in the pilot episode cooper and truman box. yeah found it in the safety deposit box so what's going on there and i don't think it was made explicit that it's drugs, but I think you well, can infer that. Well, that yeah, it's,
1: I mean, you knew that Laura was doing drugs because right. she had cocaine in the thing and there was cocaine in the safety deposit box key and the money was in the safety deposit box. So, yeah, you know all those things are connected. You know, right, Leo, and Shlora, who, who and
0: has $20,000 in a town like Twin yeah. Peaks? Like, that's got to be, yeah,
1: it's you drug know, money. Yeah. it's drug money, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. So Mike and Bobby are, are involved in some kind of drug transaction with Leo and, and Leo, we know, has a bloodied shirt, which we're being led to believe is related to his involvement in Laura's death. So all of a sudden, there's there's um, strands of this web are starting to, to trickle out and affect uh, other characters that we've already met who we know aren't the most upstanding mm-hmm. of characters. So it's an instance where, um, it, you know, uh, is it dramatic irony, where the audience knows something that, that Cooper and Truman don't know yet. Yeah. So we watch these these yeah. two investigate lines of inquiry that we know are going nowhere.
1: Well, and it's, we don't well, know if they're going nowhere, but we know something. We the, know another line yes, that's also that they're going not somewhere.
0: investigating. Yeah. So, so it's a little bit frustrating to see them interviewing James again and asking him about the half heart necklace and asking him about, uh, you know, did he know that that Laura was doing drugs and yeah. and did he ever do drugs with her and and we had. I have to bring this up. You looked at me when we were watching this episode, and you laughed at me again because this—the flashback scene oh, to God, when then. James and yeah—can
1: I say something about please. that? Please, okay. I thought this was James's best scene in the whole series <laughs> up until that point. Then I was like, oh yeah, that—that that was that again. Wait, that you
0: happened. mean the interrogation? Yeah, the interrogation.
1: Scene? Like yeah. he seemed—he seemed genuinely like. Yeah. Like pulled a little bit, you know, he's like, "Well, I I loved Laura and but I want to be honest, you know, she had problems and I wanted yeah, I was trying to Yeah, she did help
0: drugs. Her. I was trying to get her to stop.
1: You know, like cuz he can come off as a good guy, but you know, he did lie to the to the well, I don't know, he didn't lie to the cops yet, he but like hold, he but he withheld information, information right? for sure and you know, he continues to do that with the necklace, but uh, you know, he's he's a conflicted character a little bit at that point, And he, he actually played that really well. And then the flashback scene, which is in like a, a dream haze. And it's just... And what is it, the line? James, guess why I'm so happy today. Because your skin is so soft and you smell so good. But no. in his delivery, it's just... Well, the whole scene is just terrible. Yeah. She's so overly, like, saccharine and, like and then she snaps the necklace in half yeah. and there's a sound effect and it's the scene ver- breaks it's, away. It's
0: very oh. uh, just...
1: Well, it, it kind of fits in with the uh, the soap opera yeah. parts of the show. Yeah. Like, that would be a soap opera scene where yeah. you'd be like, yeah, okay, I can see that. And uh, that's also something that comes up more and more throughout this episode is the soap opera aspect of, mm-hmm. of Twin Peaks. You don't get the invitation to love yet, but it's coming. Yeah. You can definitely tell. Um, so, yeah, this that it, But,
0: yeah, so that... Um, when like his,
1: they're pursuing that kind of angle.
0: When, yeah, and they they uh it fits with another uh, that that scene ends or after that scene anyway, is when you get the 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 slow-mo freeze frame on the picnic video that we saw from the pilot that Cooper has played for James in the interrogation. Oh, yeah. And the voiceover of Laura saying "help me," which is so again just, yeah, just so on the nose that I'm not sure why that was included. It's it just seems like it's tugging on your heartstrings in a way that you don't, you get that when, when Doc Hayward is, is talking yeah. about how, how awful this was that this happened to this girl that he delivered and knew her whole life. It's, it's just too, it's too much. Yeah, it's I too think. much. And
1: it's like, are you supposed to think that that's real? Like, is that Is that her voice from Beyond the Grave? Like it's not even—it's so it's so cheesy. There's no way that's what it's intended to be either. It's—it sounds like something like they were they had like oh shit we're short fifteen seconds let's throw in this clip and it's like okay we padded out our time for the episode it was weird, yeah
0: yeah, and And then the um the night before during the pilot you see that that Donna was supposed to go to the police station that morning. We would have we would have been treated to another interrogation scene, I think, between Donna and Cooper and and Truman. But instead, she's not necessarily interrogated, but she she confesses to her mother that she was uh, in love with James as well. Yeah, so, that's another soap
1: opera scene. Like, yeah, it's very exactly. Much just like, oh, mom, I gotta tell you about this boy I love. And then, can we jump? Can I jump a little here? Yeah, you can Because at the little. end of the episode is, is all of a sudden, James is over at her place for dinner. like right. The night after they kiss for the first time and declare they're she ever dying. She wants her Yeah. Her she yeah, it's she like, wants
0: him to meet her parents. Yeah, it's,
1: it's a weird, like, it's a very soap opera-y thing, like, because... It's kind of
0: like that, you know, I don't know if you remember the, the, the soap opera Passions.
1: Yeah, vaguely. Yeah. I remember there was a there was a, a doll the... who became alive or something yeah. like that. yeah. yeah. But
0: uh, the joke on that show was that it didn't matter when you watched it. You were always, you know, six hours past the prom boat sinking, which was a major plot point in one of the earlier episodes of that (laughs) of that uh, soap opera, it just seemed like the episodes (laughs) dragged on and on and on and on. And you'd have, like, characters changing clothes multiple times in a day, but it was still the same day as it was six weeks ago. It was just, it's, this is, like, the opposite of that. Like, things moved moved so quickly in this show because, like we said, most of these episodes take place within a a 24-hour period. So this is literally within the first 48 hours after Laura's been murdered. Her secret boyfriend is having dinner with her best friend and and her family, which under the circumstances might not be strange if they were if they were just friends and they were bonding but we know that they're in love yeah and it just seems like it doesn't i don't I don't even buy that they're in love I really oh, don't yeah, no. like I buy I think that this is like a high school you know puppy love yeah, thing yeah. that that maybe well, in the powder because, keg of what's yes. happening. Feels more real, yeah, and
1: that's fine though because they are in high school and they are in an emotional yeah. Don't begrudge them that,
0: yeah. yeah. But I don't take it seriously.
1: No, yeah, I don't either. But I mean, I think it it captured that. I think it captures that feel really well because it's like, yeah, like it's just the first day and they're already moving like they're moving really fast and and meeting the family. Although I found the meeting the family was just the right level of awkward for like you have like an awkward boyfriend who doesn't know how to talk to parents. Like he just kind of stands there and, mm-hmm. and doesn't know how to talk to anybody. I thought that was particularly well done because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, really he's just interested in Donna. He doesn't care about her family or anything like right, that. Right. Um, so I thought, uh, yeah, but yeah, I think that's, that's a uh, definitely a good point. I didn't know that I lost that thought halfway through it. So continue. yeah, no, <laughs> that's okay. Um,
0: the next interrogation or an interview that happens was, uh with Pete and Josie at the Blue Pine Lodge, with yeah. uh, Harry and and Cooper going to uh, to interview Josie, who was being tutored in English by Laura, and not much is determined yeah, from that. Not I think much there. I think the same. You get the same sensation. I think Cooper and Truman are both. Well, Cooper's already on this path, but Harry, I think, is is just still kind of learning that Laura wasn't all that she that he thought she was because we heard from James that something had happened a few days earlier that scared her and you learned from Josie that she was distracted. she had um, they had a conversation where Laura said she she kind of knew how Josie felt after. Andrew was killed after her husband was killed and, and Josie didn't yeah. really know what to make of that. Yeah, so I, so I, there was I, hints there that something wasn't right with Laura. So that's what these interviews are really getting at. They're not they're not figuring anything out about who killed her, but they're getting to know more about Laura, yeah. which is what we want to know too. Yeah. Who's this en- enigmatic character that we've literally she she said a few lines in in flashback. In a flashback but for the most part yeah. she's just been wrapped in plastic or seen in a photo frame. Yeah. So we don't really know much about yeah, her and I, now we're learning about
1: And, I I mean, I really, that line's kind of interesting because it doesn't really come back in *Firewalk* with me because she doesn't really have anyone close to her die. Like, it's... Laura doesn't? Yeah, Laura doesn't. Like, I don't, I really don't know where that was coming from. Um, And it's not really resolved throughout the series as far as I know. Well, no,
0: but I think, no, but, yeah, if you, if you read the, the... And there's debates. It's kind of, you know, Are is this Her Secret Diary, the book that was published? Oh, yeah. Is it... Canon or is it you yeah, know yeah, pseudo but okay. canon? But there's there's you know she's having dark thoughts throughout that book, and I think that's what.
1: But it, I don't think like she's referring
0: like specifically to a feeling of a loss, feeling of loss oh. unless she's referring to a feeling of loss within herself. Like maybe she knows she's going to die. Okay. Right. So I think there's there's I, room for I guess. Uh, uh, I as far as interviews go, there's not really there's not really much else going on except well for direct interviews, Cooper goes to, to see, Cooper and Truman go, and he has his first slice of pie here, uh, at the Um, double R. Um, they have to wash the taste of, of the coffee that they had at the Blue Pine Lodge out of their mouths, because this is Aiden's favorite line of the episode.
1: Fellas, don't drink that coffee. You'd never guess. There was a fish in the percolator.
0: Pete offers them coffee, coffee, and, and there was a fish in the percolator. So, so they uh, they have to go down to the double R anyway to interview Norma. So they might as well have a slice of pie. And Cooper ends up having three. So it's good pie, is what we're getting at here.
1: Um. Yeah. And I. Sorry. I was gonna. I had something. Oh, the, there is uh, one other interview that it happens very quickly, but it's the Pulaskis. Oh. Uh, yeah. Right. Is Hawk, Hawk, Hawk yeah, at the hospital? At the hospital, the hospital interviews the Pulaskis and and just you know confirms that she didn't come home and everything. Um. I found that scene interesting for two things. One, it's Kind of your second sighting, we didn't mention in the first episode, but you do see the one-armed man who later becomes Mike, uh, and/or Stephen Gerard, Philip Gerard, Philip Gerard, Stephen Gerard, being of course the football player. (laughs) Wait, soccer player. Sorry. Uh, But yeah, you see uh, Mike for the first time uh, in the pilot. He has like a five-second cameo. He's just on the elevator, and then he gets off the elevator. And
0: and that interestingly was just the cameo. There was no. It was it was literally just thrown in there as a nod to the fugitive literally are you serious that was it there was no there's role no for him. extra role and and then because of what happened in the closed pilot yeah in the, the international, international pilot version, they yeah, gave they, him lines and he, and he did then such he a good job a, he became a recurring character yeah, in the regular season
1: yeah so uh so and that's here he, al
0: strobel playing the yeah yeah
1: yeah when our men uh so you see him again here um and hawk notices him he's going to the morgue potentially or right. the oxygen yeah. lab or something probably the morgue yeah. and you gotta
0: think that there's a there's a connection there but yeah. that, that's where laura is right now
1: so. yeah so it's, it's it's an interesting uh a little appearance from him but it also that uh they I, I love the way the Pulaskis are done they're like the plaid Pulaskis. they're both like in lumberjack gear and everything like they're very again they're emblematic of the small town and and their uh their grief and everything is still very palatable and and uh palpable palatable? Pal-
0: pa- why palatable why would it be palatable that means, it means it it's tasty good. Okay. And, it's, and it's well maybe it does
1: taste good have you thought about that Lindsay? But the I other would... thing that
0: you learned in that interview, though, is that Ronette worked at the perfume yes, counter perfume at Horn Depart- Horns Department Store. She said it was the sweetest smelling job or the best smelling job she, she ever smelling. had. Sweetest smelling, yeah, yeah. sweetest smelling job she ever had. Yeah. So and that comes up later. So it's an important piece of information yeah, and, and, that and, Hawk does, and that's
1: and that's them. kind of a, that's one of the. Things about the investigation and detective theme is that really the audience is, also, is the best detective because mm-hmm. we do have access to all those those different uh, other detectives that are at work whether it's Truman uh, and Cooper or Audrey I'm just later on. No. She's going call Trooper. Trooper, she's Any they're That's in a scene together, it's so just better. Trooper. Trooper. They should so, have a
0: theme song by Trooper? That would be
1: awesome. <laughs> that would be really good. In any <laughs> anyway. case. Uh, them uh, Audrey and Donna and James they all like all the characters are trying to figure out not just Laura like once you kind of figure out that Laura was a bad girl and she did bad things that Kind of intrigue goes away then it's more about locating the killer in the future episodes, but um, for this one Everyone's still trying to figure out who Laura is
0: so we really are implicated quite early on in the investigation so so the Log Lady intro does play a very crucial role in identifying us as those detectives, trying to figure out, based on what we're seeing and what we're inferring about the behaviors and the actions of the people on screen, what happened, what actually happened, what's the truth, and where what's being shown in place of the truth. Because not everybody is upfront about everything yeah. that's going on in this episode either.
1: And the great kind of summary of that is the end of the episode, where Dr. Jacoby... Finds the or well doesn't find it. he has her tape uh, that she recorded for him.
0: She Laura was recording all these tapes for him throughout the course of their That's what therapy. I just said.
1: Yeah, but she recorded a tape for him. That's all. They but there were many
0: tapes. Yeah, okay.
1: But yeah. this is the one that comes up again and again because. Uh, it was the last one. It was the last one, I think. Yeah, and I think it's two days before she dies. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Uh, but anyways, uh, and he listens to it. He has it on his headphones.
0: We don't get access to the whole. Tape. No,
1: we only get part of the. He tape. puts
0: it on his headphones when he when she's about to talk about the mystery man who we must think is leo... letter j
1: well yeah, yeah that's who
0: you think it yeah. is because they're still trying to figure out who the j was that she was nervous nervous about, about
1: meeting. meeting yeah and leo johnson right potentially being one yeah. that came to my mind when the first time i watched it uh but um yeah so and he also you realize he's the one who stole the necklace out of the ground at the end of the, the pilot um so instantly another j jacoby and also in that scene she says oh i if only i'd known you earlier mm-hmm. and he seems like Jacoby does a very good job of playing almost aroused by the the mm-hmm. like and she's she's again vamping her voice is very like overly sexy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird little thing she does. Um so he, and he has this thing like he's obviously kind of obsessed with her. He went mm-hmm. and stole the the heart necklace um and he's listening to her voice after she's died. And it is really creepy. It is creepy and it's it's you can't tell if he's just like if he lusted after her if he genuinely cared for her at the end he's crying but it could just be because he's it's, upset that she's yeah. gone like just because or she
0: said something on the tape yeah, that exactly. made him upset cuz we don't know what sure. what's being said but it does make in the previous in the pilot episode when he says he wants to go to the morgue
1: yeah it's like, with her yeah it, it casts some weirdness i mean he's a weird character he is I
0: mean. a weird character but he but it seems really it, i don't want to say it's it's evil or sinister but it doesn't it's not above board it's not kosher like there's something more to their relationship and that's a good point i'd completely forgotten about uh jacoby being a j so now he's implicated again uh or as well with
1: um, i love how they just gave everyone a j everybody has a j
0: (laughs) name or an h name
1: yeah johnson's jennings uh, uh,
0: jacques renault but and um, then there's hayward's horns and hurley's it's just like everybody in this town came from the first half of the alphabet (laughs) it's really funny Oh
1: yeah it's funny um yeah. We've touched
0: on we've touched on a lot about Laura. Is there is there more that you'd like to talk about, Aiden? About what um what we've learned about Laura? We learned how she died, and we learned what happened to her the night she died.
1: Yeah, I think the only uh, well we, we learned a little bit
0: more about what her her involvement was with James.
1: Well, yeah, and that's I think that's the most interesting part for this one is uh, that scene where James is conflicted because he uh, he he discloses that yes, yeah, she was doing cocaine. She stopped for a bit started again he didn't know why she started but she was scared but a most importantly few days earlier, a few days earlier yeah. something bad had happened and then uh you also get two other pieces which is one she she ran off from him at about midnight i think he said 12:30 or, so. or something off at, of the bike at the
0: the intersection of Sparkwood and 21, 21 which i just wanted to point out that or why would you name I mean, your road Sparkwood, Sparkwood when the forest. logging industry is your main, main thing, your main yeah. thing, and you're in the middle of a forest? Yeah. So fire comes back again yeah. in the name of this town, ta- or in the name of this this road that goes through town. And Sparkwood and Twenty One is the intersection of the Spark Sparkwood Road and Highway Twenty One in Twin Peaks, and it's just outside of Twin Peaks, uh, not far from the border. And it comes up again and again and again that this yeah. is a, an a important intersection. intersection. Yeah. So. The fact that I just, I I hadn't yeah. thought of it before I watched this episode again. I'm like, Sparkwood, why yeah, would that? Again, yeah. It's an odd name for a yeah. for a road. But anyway, it's an important intersection. And that's yeah. where uh, James and Laura had their last meeting before she ran off of his bike and, and escaped into yeah. the woods to meet her fate.
1: But but I think the even the more interesting one is that uh, that's when the flashback happens, the terrible, terrible flashback happens when Cooper asks him what happened on February 15th First well, a few days. No, it was like day one of the calendar. Oh, right, and right. And, uh, J- and that's when they had the conversation where Laura says, no, it's because I actually believe you love me. And she labeled that in her diary as day one. So it's, it, it's interesting to me because it's like Laura actually, for a second there, uh, thought she could escape. She really did love James. She thought that he loved her. And for a woman, for a girl who, you know, for everything else you find out about her later down the road, that's a very telling thing that she thought she could start fresh. She could have a day one and something positive could come out of but it. Then but then why did she, she also put the, that,
0: that key yeah. with the cocaine on well, day one? Well, maybe because
1: she was trying to keep it there so that she wouldn't go and get the money and the cocaine. To, to She mm. could just cut herself out of it. Maybe. Um, because, yeah, it's not really clear when that all those kind of transactions happened. Maybe. I think it's after day one, to be honest. But I don't know. I thought that was a, a nice little touch, which... Again, and that's the thing. Like, Laura becomes more of a character um, as you go on. And when you watch Firewalk With Me, she really comes into her and own. And that's
0: interesting, too, because Cheryl Lee was hired as a, a, model. a model just to...
1: Look dead. Just
0: to look dead. And <laughs> And David Lynch was so impressed with her ability to... To look dead, I guess, <laughs> that he he hired her and she comes back in the next only, episode or the, the episode, episode after, after that. As Maddie. Um, as Maddie and and then obviously plays a starring role in Firewalk with me. So um well, Even yeah, as a dead girl, she's she's such a haunting presence. Yeah. And just that picture, that 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 the graduation picture, picture yeah. of Laura was haunting to me. I, I remember seeing that as a five year old and thinking that.
1: Well, in the way that she like Lynch, so Lynch especially fixates on it, like he brings yeah. it up all the time, yeah. and, and you see and it Lynch, again later on. And Lynch
0: does have a tendency to go with you know his actresses become his muses. Yeah. And he uses them over and over again. And we talked about that earlier with uh, Laura Dern yeah. and. Um, Comic-Con. Uh, Come, <laughs> he is yeah. very pretty. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. but but there are there are lots of instances where David Lynch casts people who or casts women. He loves women. Yeah. You can tell that. and he casts beautiful women. And when he finds someone he likes, he uses them over and over again. So so that's that's obviously what happened with Shirley. And it for good reason, she is a tremendous actress, and she does a I, we'll talk yeah. about this when Maddie comes up. I think she does a tremendous job separating Laura from Maddie.
1: except for the screaming. <laughs> well, yeah we'll but get there yeah, you know. yeah there's only so much you can do with your yeah. voice at that point
0: um
1: yeah so are, do you have anything else for either the investigations or Laura? well
0: well in terms of investigations there's not much else with relation to laura's death but we do start getting threads of other mysteries that are happening in town mm-hmm. with the drug transaction yeah. or the suspected drugs transaction and then also with what's going on at the mill that I had uh, to look yeah. this up because the mill plot line always baffled me. It's it's one of those business deal type yeah. double cross situations. Well, but that it's like never a quadruple really... cross. In yeah, the it end. gets like, very so many confusing things going on. Yeah. But but you get the hint here that so Josie owns the Packard Mill as we discovered in the first episode. Catherine's brother Andrew married Josie when he died. The will or the he willed mil- it to her. Willed the mill.
1: Willed the to mill to Josie. So Josie.
0: Josie and Catherine do not get along. And you find out in this episode that Catherine... Well, you find out in the last episode that Catherine is involved with Ben in some capacity. But in this episode, you find out they're sleeping together. And they have been for a long time. They have been for a while. And Ben and Catherine are both trying to bankrupt the mill. And it's interesting because Catherine and Josie have a conversation... But
1: are they trying to
0: bankrupt? Okay, just let me go through what's on the surface and we can dive in in a minute. But... But Catherine makes a phone call to Josie and talks about the shenanigans from the day before, which leads to a really cute scene where Josie doesn't know what shenanigans means and Cooper has to tell her what it means. And it's kind of, it brings up her lack of understanding of English. But I think she knows what shenanigans. Yeah, means. I, like, think, I think yeah, she gets, she's
1: such a good actress. Like,
0: well, not not yeah, the I, character
1: is the character. Maybe. Is like a liar. Well, I
0: don't. I don't know if she's lying. I think she knows deep down, and she's looking for confirmation. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she's pissed off Catherine because they've lost uh, eighty-seven thousand dollars in change from shutting down the mill for the day. And I don't think Catherine really gives a shit because she wants to bankrupt the mill, and she's got she's she calls it creative accounting or something. Yeah. Um. So so they're trying to bankrupt the mill on purpose. For what reason, we're not sure yet. But but that's what their plan is. And it's Ben and Catherine against Josie. And Josie doesn't really know that they're against them. She just knows that Catherine doesn't like her. Um, so, so that thread is dropped. And I think this was where Lynch and Frost, had they been given complete creative control, like they will be for the Showtime episodes, uh, they would have... From my understanding is they would have left the murder of Laura Palmer. It gradually would have disappeared into the background. And these other mysteries that they start laying down for us in in this. It's only the second episode and there's already more things going on. Those would have taken over as the main mysteries. And the murder of Laura Palmer would gradually recede into the background as unsolved
1: yeah and, and cooper would essentially stay around to solve other crimes or
0: stay around for other reasons yeah but but it's uh it's interesting that those start getting dropped so early
1: well yeah i mean you start building it up for sure right away yeah 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 no definitely um so do you want to move on to the, the other thing yeah we the about? last
0: the last big theme that we wanted to talk about here was um just uh about families and families in twin peaks which are range from the horrifically dysfunctional to the almost too perfect. Yeah.
1: Well not not too perfect. They're they're just, well, the, right they're just the right amount of perfect amount of perfect but people aren't always happy. they they have problems, but mm-hmm. we're talking about Don- Donna's Donna's family, Donna's is, family is by yeah, far the, the most paragon, normal. yeah. 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 <laughs> Nobody's killing can... anybody or anything. Although by the end of the series, yeah, it's not. It,
0: yeah, there's it, everybody everybody is tainted, I think, by yeah. just living within the town limits. But it's just messed
1: up, yeah. But
0: you get a series here towards in the, you know, the last third of the ser- of the episode. Uh, you get a series of four scenes back to back to back to back of family drama or or well, family families. life. Yeah, just families. The first so one too. is is at the Palmer house when you see the aftermath of the the morning after they've, you know, Sarah and Leland have figured out that their daughter is dead. Um, and Donna has come to visit Sarah. And Leland obviously Laura and Donna were friends for a long time, which we learned from Doc Hayward earlier. So Leland has a special relationship with Donna as his daughter's best friend, and he tells Sarah or he tells Donna not to upset Sarah too much. Donna just wants to visit and say hi. And of course, just her presence yeah, is enough to set to Sarah up. Yeah, yeah. She she sees uh, Laura's face superimposed on on Donna's or mm-hmm. or well,
1: I think that's just a cheap it's special a cheap effect. Ch- special It's like effect, but she, she sees, sees Laura. Laura in yeah, Donna yeah.
0: and and kind of freaks out and it triggers this vision that we talked about in, in this brief synopsis at yeah. the beginning. She sees um, a man crouched down at the end of Laura's bed, yeah. which is the scene that I remember from being a kid. This is yeah. where I first saw it. So um and it's not overly terrifying, but it's just just well, it's creepy just, it's, enough. it's
1: disconcerting. That, You're like, mm-hmm. what where was it? Like it's not You know v- that
0: it's Laura's bed because we saw it in the pilot.
1: Well, yeah, but you'd have to be—you'd have to have a really good memory to recognize it from that. I assumed it was in the living room, and then it's not, obviously. And now, mm. now I know it's in the bedroom. Mm. But that—that um, that scene was always very confusing to me because, a, where is this guy? Like, I didn't realize that she just saw it in mm-hmm. her brain mm-hmm. <laughs> like i assume she like she was actually, actually looking at something it. that was in the room um so I she does confused.
0: look down i guess i guess i could see how you would be confused about yeah
1: that. i mean but i mean it's yeah it's just a disconcerting scene because mm-hmm. you're like who's this guy but you know is... you know
0: automatically that there's nobody actually there in the room with them like it's yeah, just yeah. donna and sarah so you yeah. know that they're that she's having some kind of a
1: well uh, it's it's like vision. anytime there's yeah some presence that you're not mm-hmm. aware of it's creepy right and uh, the the best part of it though is her screaming and then again Grace Zabriskie. Oh, God,
0: God, she could. She is. You know, we her talk screeches. about Jamie Lee Curtis being a scream queen, but they obviously oh, yeah. hadn't...
1: They didn't cast it right, because she should have been in every single she has, horror it's, it's movie It's not even... Ever. It's a shriek. It's a shriek. And and the last one and She has like a, <laughs> a sequence of them, and it's like a, a calm pause for like two seconds, and then she just lets go of this last little burst, and it is... it is. If it wasn't kind of, so
0: horrifying, yeah. it would be funny. No, but it is
1: funny. I, I always know. laugh at it. I, I kind of chuckle. Just,
0: I feel her... Because Leland obviously comes in the room, and Donna is just beside herself, because yeah. she does exactly what Leland asked her not to do. Um, um, but you, but you get to see Leland in this protective father, protective husband role that uh, that he takes over again from the episode prior. Yeah. Um, you know the man of the house, I guess. Yeah. He, he has to take over for for and be strong. Yeah. Um, which again carries over into the very next scene, which is where Aiden already mentioned yeah. in the hospital with the Pulaskis, and you see, I think the fact that they're both wearing plaid is. Is just another uh, visual signal to us that they're a unit. They're yeah. operating on the same page. They're they're both deeply worried about their daughter. And you see the in the window behind them, you see their daughter in in her hospital bed. So they're standing watch. They're deeply concerned. They're morose. They're thinking about you know her job that she had and how yeah. she called it the sweetest job she ever had or sweetest smelling job she ever had. And it's like it's um. You get the sense that, that well, you, you get the sense that um, they're certainly better parents than uh, Ben Horn, who isn't winning Father of the Year in his conversation with Audrey, in which he tells her Laura died two days ago, I lost you years ago. And uh, they're far and away more supportive than uh, certainly the next parents that we see um we we jump immediately to bobby briggs and his family major garland briggs and um betty briggs sitting at the dinner table and betty's cooked a meatloaf and they're sitting you know it's very and and aiden aiden and i have a disagreement about this as well but garland Briggs, briggs major briggs uh has this
1: well, this long right. speech he's well, trying to reach a, out to his son it's not it's not a speech though that's just how he talks and it thinks. is it is he is right. verbose and he's pompous articulate. yeah he's he's pompous he's, he's a major he's yeah, an he's, air force major. exactly he is he's someone who takes pride in everything that he does and that's very evident
0: to have his path made clear is the aspiration of every human being in our beclouded and tempestuous existence
1: and i i think like Lindsay thinks this is not at all accurate, but I think it's hilarious because the contrast with Bobby, who obviously doesn't give a shit about much of anything except for, you know, girls and, and uh cocaine, really, <laughs> at the end of the day, and he doesn't even play football anymore. He's not even showing up to football practice. Like he cares about none of that. He's he's like your typical teenager. He has no respect for anything, and the speech is all about well, I understand how when you have to be a teenager when you're a teenager, you want to rebel, and I I give respect that. But I know, but it's my job to make sure you, you remain Stay respectful. Stay on the path, yeah, and within society's boundaries.
0: And our family structure. And our family
1: structure, and of course, Bobby doesn't. And then yeah, he goes to
0: light a cigarette. Yeah, Bobby well, does, yeah, and and Major Briggs, Briggs smacks smacks, it out, him, smacks him. it out of his mouth, and it lands in Betty's meatloaf. Yeah, and I think that's just I I mean.
1: Well no, it is. It's like it's abusive for sure. And it's it's like, well, he's an army guy. Like how easygoing is this well, dad and, and, gonna be. And, and, he's but not. also
0: on top of, like, you know, Bobby's not a big guy. He's tall, but he's not a big guy. He's kind of a scrum. Yeah, he's, well, he's, you know, well, he, he he wouldn't be your you know. He's a high school
1: f- quarterback. Like he's not gonna be like super yeah. skinny or anything, but yeah. But no, a, but I mean Briggs is, Briggs definitely is a Briggs is a big
0: guy. It's not a fair fight even well to okay, begin with. It's
1: not a fight. It's it's discipline. Like that's what that's how Briggs operates, right? He's a he's a, he's a military man. Discipline is the most important thing. And that's physical discipline. So he smacks him. Um, and I think it's funny just because there's there's such the contrast. Like Bobby's reaction of being stuck between Major Briggs and his uh, authoritarian pompous, Well, his authoritarianism and his complete um, focus on, you know...
0: Law and order. Lingu- yeah, but like uh, his oh. verbal,
1: I don't know, grandiosity, I guess, as yeah. well. Um, and then his mom at the end who says we're here for you, Bobby. And Bobby is stuck between, like, she's like a total, you know. She
0: picks the cigarette out of her meatloaf and she's she's so so passive.
1: Yeah, she's completely passive and has no, you know, she didn't say anything the whole, really, the rest of the series. Like, she's really just kind of a placeholder. Um, Not placeholder, that's not the right word. But you know what I mean. She doesn't really have a character. And then Bobby is stuck between this super strong character on one side and this nobody character on the other side. But what
0: makes this even sadder is that is that Bobby is just a teenager. Yeah. And he is just he's stuck in this situation. His girlfriend has just been murdered. And he does need his parents. This is a time when when, you know, I lost a friend when I was seventeen and it was it was really hard to take and I needed my parents at that time. So if my dad had seen my reaction of grief and I mean, I wasn't smoking, but if he'd slapped the cigarette out of my face and it landed in my mom's meatloaf, like that, that's a huge betrayal. And you feel, I feel anyway, that, that. It's the first time since I've met Bobby that I feel really sorry yeah. for him. No,
1: no. And, and that's the best part about that scene is it is so telling. It's like if Lynch had directed, I think it would have been even more amazing because it's such a good scene for summing up Bobby's family dynamic. Mm-hmm. In, in one instance, it's all there. It's yeah. just like all the other ones we were talking about yesterday yeah. but for all the introductions. If that had been the introduction to Bobby's character, you'd be like, oh. I feel Poor bad Bobby. for this guy. Yeah, like yeah. that would be, that would taint your, your whole perspective of him.
0: But it does, it does taint your perspective of Major Briggs and his mom. Yeah. And, and Bobby's mom, Betty, because you, you just think that these are two, they're just in, and especially in contrast with the next family you see, which is the Haywards, they are just so completely not supportive and not present parents. It's really. Well, they're just not
1: emotionally connected with their no, son. No, like they, they don't know how to connect with him. Yeah. And, and Briggs is, you know, he, he says as much, but he doesn't do anything to but go that around that. But that could be,
0: you know, them not connecting with him could have been a good plot line, you know, had they chosen to do that and not focus so much on Bobby. You know, like them mm. trying to connect with their son. Because that is something that parents well, do deal with, and it is something yeah. that's interesting. But And it
1: does come up later in the series. He has a dream and yeah, everything. Yeah, but
0: it's, but it's not as, as um yeah, you don't get focused, the sense yeah. that, that, I don't. I, at that point, I don't even care about Major Briggs anymore. Really? I just think, yeah, I just I love think he's Major he's. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of Major no. Briggs.
1: Well, and and it's funny because Bobby later on again he goes mm-hmm. into like. Well, I mean, none of the kids go back to school. They're never students again. They're never. No, really I think kids there's anymore. one more
0: scene in the in the school oh, okay. in the next episode, and that's okay. It. okay.
1: But in he's like Bobby winds up almost with like another father figure in Ben Horne eventually. Like it's yeah. it's odd how how the the travels they go on. But I think near the end again they do come back to this family dynamic at the mm. end. And it's, it's, it's well done if, uh, there as well. And uh, sorry, I want mm-hmm. to inter- interrupt you because the next family we see is not the, the Haywards. What? It oh, is, you're right. It's not. It is the beating scene in which oh, yes. uh, Leo beats up Shelly for misplacing his shirt. Which she did, but you know, it's he doesn't it, know that she did know, though. Yeah. he
0: doesn't know that she found it.
1: Yeah, he doesn't know where it is at all. So he just assumes it's hers, and then he he puts a bar of soap in a sock and whirls it around to the sound of some like surfer rock '50s stuff. It is that's that, that lynching. is the most Lynchian scene in the whole episode for sure because you're just like no
0: no the cigarette and the meatloaf is pretty yeah that, like, was that is pretty yeah. Lynchian yeah.
1: so um but yeah like and and that's another family like there's a lot of like they're married they are I think well mm-hmm. there's Big Ed. And Nadine, and then eventually, uh, uh, who's the Double R
0: owner? Norma. Norma and, and Hank. Hank.
1: They're also the kind of like the married couples of the mm-hmm. the group, and uh, they all have super dysfunctional mm-hmm. relationships, um, but they are still kind of families, and it's it's uh, especially. Nadine and Ed once uh, Norma moves in with them. <laughs> yeah. Like that 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 stuff gets really weird. But yeah, that's that's another family that's I
0: and I just thought Ed and James are another family that we that's talked true. about earlier yeah. um, when when James is released into Ed's custody. Yeah. And Ed mentions this is where he mentions that he thinks his his beer was drugged the night before and you yeah. get you get the the Renault, the Jacques Renault is introduced as a character who comes up much later, but um, but they're a family, and you you hear you know James's mom is is, I think the relation is between his mom and 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 Big Ed. I think they're brother and sister. Yeah, I don't. I'm remember. not sure how it how yeah. the relation works. It doesn't matter because James lives with Ed and Nadine when his mom is out of town, and yeah. and James says to Ed that he needs he's going to need help because Mike and Bobby are getting Come released too, and he thinks they're going to be after him, and. So it's a different family. It's it's a, a non nuclear family. It's an mm-hmm. extended family, and there's even more extended family when you realize that uh, James has asked Ed for help from the Bookhouse boys, who were not really introduced in the last episode. No, this but is the first
1: time I think. The
0: first time that they're mentioned by name for yeah. sure. And you also and get the first the uh, first time that they have their little their little the, uh... signal, which is. Uh, your index finger by your eye i don't know if it's a right or left hand i don't think it it's matters left, The left hand, maybe. yeah but anyway hawk and ed do this signal to one another where they they just kind of understand each other so you know right away that there's a secret club yeah. that exists in town and ed and hawk are part of it so um so you get that sense that there's there's an extended family of protection that's going to exist around james uh going forward so he doesn't have a traditional family a mom a dad whatever but he does have a family there and it's much more supportive than some of the the yeah. nuclear biological families that exist you know the Briggses. or yeah, there's no
1: babies in twin peaks or kids there's none i mean little later Nikki. on you get little nicky but that's it there's there's really no children Mm-mm. in the world of twin peaks everyone's kind of in that in between phase or they've they're, they're too old yeah, almost to have kids. Like they're
0: the twenty-year-old teenagers. Yeah, that
1: yeah, exist exactly. In, yeah, in
0: all TV shows. Yeah, but.
1: yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, then we do go to the last. Yeah, normal. the
0: Haywards, which yeah. are uh, the the most normal of of all of them, and you don't get to see uh, Donna's sisters. in Does this she episode, ever but. come back? Yes.
1: Okay. Harriet does, and Harriet then you does. meet
0: Gersten, the other sister. By oh, yeah,
1: who plays the piano or yeah, something, right? In a yeah. later episode, yeah, but okay. yeah, uh,
0: there are two other sisters Harriet, Donna, and Gersten Hayward, and but you only see Donna and James, and then mom, yeah. Eileen, and dad, Dr. Doctor, Doctor Will Hayward, Will, yeah, wow, and um, good with the names, <laughs> yeah, so they and they're having a roast, and you yeah, know, Eileen very... Hayward ha- it offers you know fruit, fruit punch. punch and it's very it's very homey and it's yeah. very sweet and there's a scene where you know doc hayward sits down at the table the head of the table and then donna and james are sitting there and you get this sense that there's a, a kind of a gentle interrogation and yeah. and doc hayward talks about nadine who obviously is suffering we we we've met nadine in the first episode with the the drape runners and then you see her again in this episode a little earlier when she bumps into Norma at yeah. uh, the general store and
1: tells You her know all about she's it. got she's, she's yeah. got
0: one eye missing. Or she she's, wears a patch anyway over one of her eyes. And and you do get the sense that she's a little not, unhinged, yeah, yeah. she's not entirely all there. So the treatment of mental illness is something we could probably spend a yeah, whole episode on. Yeah. The treatment of mental illness in in uh, or mental health in general in Twin Peaks is not exactly flattering. But
1: well, it's not scientific either, and it's no, tied but it's up with like
0: 1989. So yeah, you know, it's but it's also early days.
1: part of the like it's connects to like a spiritual thing in a lot of cases. Right, like it's a sign of spiritual right. malaise like, or like, issue. Um, like, like,
0: like Sarah Palmer having visions, yeah, right? Like yeah. that's not she's schizophrenia. Not, yeah. That's not. it's it's you know she's or trauma in touch
1: brought with about by by her yes. daughter being killed or anything yes. like that. Yeah, and like, no, she's... and
0: Najine's issues are are hinted at being related to her husband's infidelity or yeah. the trauma that caused her to lose her eye or lose use of her eye. Um, when Mike and Philip Gerard come back, there's, you know, all his mental illness. But we're not issues. talking about this. We're story, not. Yeah. No, it's something we will talk about. <laughs> yeah, but it will come up. But, but anyway, Doc Hayward does, does kind of mention, I don't remember how, the word that he uses, but he kind of gently hints that Nadine isn't all there, but it's kind of an affectionate thing. Like, he's not, they're not a cruel family. They're not... Um, intentionally going out to hurt other people—they're just—they are the most normal family. And and Doc Hayward is definitely one of the more positive, in from our perspective as 21st century viewers, you know, manhood and what it means to be masculine. It doesn't—it's not always going to be codified as Big Ed Hurley, you know, throwing punches at the bar, or you know, a muscle head working on his his Camaro. Yeah, you know, it's not that vision of masculinity. It's, it also includes Doc Hayward, and and that's kind of forward thinking, I think, you know, because because Doc Hayward isn't a weak man; he's a respected doctor, mm-hmm. and he does head up the most normal family in Twin Peaks, so he's yeah. definitely it, it's a it's a positive role model for for yeah, male in, in that town that, that does have not many. have many. You've got yeah. Agent Cooper, you've got Sheriff Truman, and Doc Hayward.
1: Have yeah, even Truman sleeping with a girl who's using him. Like I mean, like even he's not infallible. Yeah, right?
0: but it's not his fault. Like he's trying to do best. He's yeah, a true yeah. man, right? That's true, so but I guess. Yeah. But yeah, there this is a town that, that has a severe dearth of uh positive, uh, positive male yeah. figures. And and Doc Hayward is one of the few and, and I do like him a lot for that. So
1: Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I mean uh I there... think
0: we oh I, you talked about Dr. Jacoby in the in yeah. earlier on but yeah. that that's what closes out the episode yeah. is is listening to him listening to uh, Laura's tape and and introducing another mystery. Why was she sending these tapes to him and what was the extent of their relationship?
1: Yeah. And what Which, who is the man that she was a yeah, mystery man exactly. and, so, and all that so that comes up. So out. It,
0: it doesn't this episode doesn't go a lot it doesn't go a long way towards solving any of the mysteries or answering any of the questions that we have. It asks way more questions than it answers. But but it does deepen the mystery and and if I were watching this in, in April twelfth, nineteen ninety, I would absolutely want to talk about it the next day over the water cooler yeah. and would be tuning in the next week to watch it yeah luckily we don't have to wait a week Aiden and I will probably be watching we're recording this on a Saturday night at 10 o'clock
1: yeah Sunday morning we'll probably morning, watch, we'll watch we'll Sunday Sunday <laughs> morning we'll be watching yeah. the next
0: episode yeah. but uh yeah it, it it it's definitely picking up from here
1: yeah so uh so thank you for uh, joining us and uh yeah we'll look forward to you guys are gonna have to wait a week i don't know probably this weekly yeah Maybe probably monthly who knows yeah. you're gonna
0: have to wait a while yeah but uh yeah thank you for joining us and we hope you're uh you tune up for next time